This is the Beards and Blue Ridge, episode 50. 5-0. 5-0. I thought you changed the introduction. Now you switched it back. I can't. It's different every time. Yeah. What happened to welcome back, man? Yeah. Well, welcome back, everybody. This is episode 5-0. Like, well, like, that's good. 50, getting some gray hair on this thing. <laughs> I'm already covered. You, is your gray hair from episode 50 or because, like Todd just said, you heard police. You know, yes, stressed me out. You're about that life. You know? That's right. <laughs> Both. That's right. Can you hear me? I hear you. Okay. Right. That's good. You're like the Verizon guy. You, you hear me? <laughs> Can now? you hear me now? You hear me? Yeah. I think he originally started off at Sprint and then he moved over. He does go around, and so does the uh, the AT and T lady now. She was with yeah. someone before. What clever marketing! It's almost like, hey, it's the insinuation of. She left there and came to us. Yeah. You should leave them too. It's smart. It's genius. It's great. I wish that'd be a great job. Yeah. You see that in the treatment world. (laughs) 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 You're making me laugh too hard. I'm going to spill my my Starbucks. How was your all's um, weekend? That was good. That was was great. Y'all sound kind of like the my daughters when they get home from school. It never yeah. fails. I'm like, how's school? Good. Yep. It's always good. no. That's I was I was gonna tell you, but it's it's pretty typical. Yeah. You know what I mean? I did my usual stuff except for we went to Jump World because the weather was not very good. Mm-hmm. Jump World was amazing. You had you been there before? Yeah. They they like to go. Um, I think we started going like a couple months ago, and it's. The, the problem I'm having is they've got these sides where you can run up and my daughter will run up. You running up the no, yeah. she'll run up and then she'll slide and then she'll get like skin burn, uh, yeah. which has caused an area of I got to work on myself because I start going into, I told you not to do that, you know mm-hmm. what I mean? Rather than like, here's a hug and here's empathy. So I'm working on that, you know? <laughs> what if you just it. clothe her in a way that she won't get that? That was my wife's idea. It's a smart yeah. idea, but I don't even think like that. Yeah. Throw a onesie so, on her underneath everything, and then it can't yeah. come untucked or anything. Because it's irresistible for her to climb up because oh, yeah. she's all proud of herself. Yeah. Now, you, as a parent, you get into, okay, I know they're not going to play with whatever it is how they're yeah. supposed to. Yeah. So let me figure out what could happen by doing it myself, and then I'll offset by dressing them however they're supposed to, you know what I mean? Something like that. Yeah. That's a smarter idea than what I had. My being mad at her was not very successful. Yeah, that doesn't work. Really. Yeah, not at all. And then I do it, and then I'm like, damn it, I'm doing it again. I want to do it more, not, too. You know? I know. It's not a good way to. We're ingrained with that. Oh, you don't think I can do it, or I'm not supposed to? I want to do it more. Well, for sure. You know? Yeah. We're so like that. I'm working on <laughs> not being mad. Yeah. And then my wife saw this guy doing it at a grocery store. She's like, look, look, that's like your parenting twin over there. You know, it's like your brother. <laughs> I, was like, I was like, I understand him. You really think somehow in my head, I think if I, it's that dad thing. Like if I, if I lecture her about it, then she's really going to go, oh, yeah. that lecture that really. Makes total sense. <laughs> that makes that total sense. Yeah. Here's what I'm going to do in yeah. the future. <laughs> God, I just need to stop it. So that, that's been more my, <clears throat> my weekend was looking at that like. I got to work on myself, you know? Yeah. <laughs> we had a cool, I was a little, so my nieces and nephews were or really just my nieces. They were in a play, Frozen, right? Nice. So my wife's like, hey, oh, we're, nice. Going, we're going to see Frozen, the kids play. Right. And I was like, 
I'm, I'm excited to see my my nieces do that, but at the same time, it's like uh, I don't want to go to a child's you know, kids' play. You're outside in your cutoff jean shorts. Yep, and your stirring with stuff. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Can't Just believe this your... is happening. So Jambalaya. We, so we go, and it was good. I mean, my my nieces were they were great. They both had some some big roles in it. But I think what were they playing? Uh, one of my, my youngest niece, she was just kind of like a, a little dancer background, but then my, my older niece, she was young Anna. So she had a big role, so solo game. singing. That's that the stuff, role, right? man. Yeah. But it was cool. I think even the better experience was watching, again, my son enjoyed it, right? Because it was cool, but watching my four-year-old daughter just like locked in. Right. And almost experiencing it through her eyes. Like she was just like, I mean, there was nothing going on around her but that just like zoned in. And I think I was watching her more than I was watching the play. So that was a cool experience to get to see it that way. Um, but other than that, there wasn't much else going on. So, Yeah. I, uh, I had a traumatizing, traumatizing event when I was in, I think it was in fourth grade. We had a school play and it was, um, uh, Beauty and the Beast, mm-hmm. and I wanted to be nice. the candle. I mean, I had the French accent and everything, <laughs> and I, like, I was ready. I went up there. I gave, I gave it my all, and then they turned me down. And, like, For the candle? Like a tree or something like that. Yeah. It's like you can be the understudy. Okay, yeah. right. That was the end yeah. of my acting career right there. Was, they crushed my dreams. That was your first acting resentment? <laughs> yeah. That would have got me, too. Step, yeah. Yeah, I no, I would have been on mine, too. I'd still be like. Remember that teacher or whoever turned he it does. He just, I mean, he just, he just relived it. Right it's there. obviously still there. Yeah. It's, I clearly still bugging me. I need to I'll call my sponsor about that later. I identify. Yeah. I'll talk okay. to Jason down there. Maybe a little bit. <laughs> I went to Six Flags Friday night just to switch oh, gears nice. a little bit. Yeah, that's fun. I'm trying to do all the holiday kind of stuff in Atlanta, see the lights, go on the rides and stuff. It was, it was actually fun. The weather wasn't great, but it was a good time. And then uh, Saturday came over here and helped Skyler with that tree that fell down, which was a good time. I, I enjoy stuff like that. I don't know why. I just It's raining and it's miserable and there's a tree that fell. I'm like, all right, sign me up. Sounds great. And I almost saw Skyler eat it, which would have really made my day. Yeah. And also nice. probably would have been a problem too, but that didn't happen. So, But I had a good time and uh, finished all my Christmas shopping. I tried to switch places with Brian because I had... I had four little girls doing an overnight, <laughs> and and somehow I was in the middle of all that. Yeah. So that was like, yeah, Brian, no, you could come in and watch the <laughs> film, and I'll go cut the tree. <laughs> Didn't work out. Though. No, couldn't but, take them up on that offer. No, it was cool. Now I will say this: like the the demands of four little girls are intense. Like I agreed to go to Starbucks to get them something. I get there and I felt like I was reading instructions to something in, in Chinese, you know, I had no, they get these drinks off TikTok. I have no idea. You know, and the person was laughing and they knew. (laughs) Yeah. They knew what it was. Yeah. They're like, no, I'm, I know cause I couldn't pronounce some of the <laughs> they were like, no, nah, I get what you why don't you just pull up on up to the front and let us see what you're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> that would make a little more sense. So I hand it to them. They're like, oh yeah, yeah. Well, no, we fully aware of this. Oh, we've never even seen this one before. That's pretty cool. I was like, oh my God. <laughs> what has yeah. happened? You know. Yeah, little girls are particular that way. Yeah, yeah and then I went to my wife's Friday, we went to the um Imagine's sober living nice. Christmas dinner. So it was a, it was a, and weekend of, of 
female events. Mark. Yeah. Surrounded by estrogen <laughs> all weekend. That's why I wanted to come cut down the tree on Saturday. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Get some Found myself <laughs> knitting on Sunday <laughs> instead of watching football. I don't, I don't know what happened. <laughs> I was like, I knit this Blue Ridge sweater. You like it? <laughs> yeah. to the Christmas party. Watched YouTube cute. real quick and yeah. learned how. Went yeah. to Walmart. Went to one of those, like, um, what are they called? The, the little like Ross's or whatever the places are that sell mm-hmm. yarn, yeah. you know, home goods or yeah. something like that. Yeah. Something like that. Michael's. Hobby Lobby. Michael's. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. yeah. Why is it named a guy's name too? I don't, I don't know. know. That's a good question. I don't know. My wife loves Hobby Lobby. She's like, yeah, Hobby Lobby. Let's see what they got. Yeah. Like, no. <laughs> no, no, I don't want to. <laughs> want to, don't make me. I've been forced in there before, uh, as you can tell. I've been in a lot. Well, the other thing that happened over the weekend, so I had two people reach out talking about, um, you know, they how they listen to the podcast quite frequently. One um, asked us to kind of hash out and talk a little bit about addiction and and being a family member and how do you how do you help your loved one? You know, if they're they're not currently in a place of of getting help, seeking help, or, or even though they need help. So I want to throw that out on the table. And I know there's a couple between Marcos Graham solid experts when it comes to working with the families you're an expert yeah you are we all are yeah he's an expert and is a recovery way yeah but y'all do this all all day yeah i listen to marcos sometimes i'm just in my office i just listen to him talking to families and i just pick up on things what's really cool is if you if you will play a, a youtube video of just anything of people talking with it on mute while they're on the phone it's like a sometimes i think you're down here listening to us but you're not right. you're just you got you got he's got a youtube thing <laughs> in the background yeah. Looking at like bad dubbing. How is this going perfectly? <laughs> yeah. 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 When you, I think, um, and Marcos, you, all of y'all jumped in, but I think work when you have a family member who is struggling, it's a difficult situation to figure out what to do, you know? Um, well, I think off the bat, let's first kind of go over the fact what the, the person's doing is solving a problem they have. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? I mm-hmm. think a lot of people miss that point is, well, you know, to me, it, it's like when I look back at my life, addiction, you, use, because you can have multiple addictions to anything that, that can right. be unhealthy or whatever, sure. but it serves a purpose, mm-hmm. you know, and, and if it's to not feel a certain feeling or whatever, you may not even know that at the time, but mm-hmm. it is a solution to a problem we have. For and sure. I think that's the first thing parents and loved ones need to understand is that if they really were able to look back and understand what had happened, they'll understand the decision we're making in a sense. Mm-hmm. Correct. You know? yeah. It's kind of like working with a, a teenager like my daughter. It's some of the decisions she makes. And as an adult, I can look at it and say, well, why would you do that? But if I go back and try to understand where she was coming from as an 11 year old female, the decision may make total sense. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Well, looking at it too, is the drugs and the alcohol aren't the, like, it's like what you're saying, what I hear is the drugs and the alcohol aren't the problem. Mm-hmm. I mean, they're just a symptom of something right. much, of something right. much deeper that's going on. And two, I think one I've noticed with families and with addicts is they try to figure out in the beginning, like when there's a crisis going on, they're like, I just can't understand 
what like what's driving the ship okay if, if the drugs and alcohol right. aren't the problem what is it and i tell families like well it doesn't it doesn't matter it's right. like the, the matter the fact of the matter is there's a crisis it's like when if you have a if you're having a heart attack the paramedic's not like hey what's your diet look like you well, what, I mean? like, what you've been eating what causes this no like, there's a crisis bacon? let's let's yeah, deal with right. the crisis and we'll figure out the why hopefully later yeah. on and, and usually for a family that's not even going to be up to them it's going to be up to the person well, you know and you'd say that there's probably differences like if you get that kind of to me probably like 13 to early 20s mm -hmm. is a different demographic than say 45 and up or 40 right. and up mm -hmm. depending on how much because the younger you are the more leverage the family has sure. which usually doesn't even stop when they're 18 because usually the family is still supporting the addict or alcoholic in some way my bad so they're usually supporting Close them in some way. Get on that mic, man. Get into yeah. it there. I see how to move. You're back. too addicted yeah. to freedom. So to freedom. Yeah. So, but I think it it's different depending on their demographics, but that has more to do with their natural dependency. So you have more leverage the younger they are, right. or however much you're helping them financially. So you just got to understand that concept because it kind of goes into grams like. Like it doesn't matter why, or Todd was talking about accepting that it's a solution for them. Doesn't matter why they're doing it. It just matters that they're doing it. Mm -hmm. And the family's got to like determine whether they're, because to me, you're either going to enable their recovery or you're going to enable their drug use or alcohol use at that point. Yeah. You're going to do one or the other. Right. You can't, you can't be neutral. You know well, I mean? knowing that you're trying to intervene on a solution that they've found. You know, because that, that's, they're not going to be happy. Yeah. Yeah, it doesn't yeah. go very well. It's their lifeline. <laughs> it's their lifeline. You know? so, and, and it's people often want to go deep like you're talking about. It's like, what's that core yeah. issue? So some of the some of the deepest things that God's ever done in my life started in the most shallow places. Mm -hmm. You know what mm -hmm. I mean? So it's like you can't just go to, well, let's go to this trauma and deal with right. what what could have caused it you know what i mean or whatever you want to look at it i think all addiction has some form of trauma attached to sure. it somewhere yeah. you may never know that i mean there's right. times i sit and look at my life and say well what what i considered the trauma that yeah. drove you know what i mean um and the the key point for me is that i don't really care at this point what i know is i now have a new relationship with a power greater than myself and that's what yeah. matters yeah. you know so I think it's, you know, families got to go into this one, educating themselves on the fact that they're trying to get their loved one to stop participating in something that's been a solution for them for whoever knows how long, right. you know what I mean? And two, they're going to have to seek some kind of professional advice and help mm -hmm. somebody that's, that's objective to it uh, right. and can back up and say, hey, look, that's just not probably the best choice of behaviors, yeah. things like that. Mm -hmm. And hopefully we can, we can provide some resources. Graham can, Marcos can, um, you, anybody out there, feel free to give us a call and just say, Hey, I heard on the podcast and, and they can walk through some of that with you, right. some mm -hmm. different options of people that do this every day and just give guidance to families on yeah. based on their particular situation. What we're going to talk about is very general, yeah, you right. know, because um, we don't know the particulars of each person's situation. But that that being said, it's one of those things I think you, you're right dealing with a 24-year-old versus a 40-year-old 
are different ball games. Right. You know what I mean? You're playing baseball versus what's that other one? Cricket. Cricket. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I knew where you were going. Yeah. Man. Rugby and football. Rugby yeah. and football. Yeah. yeah. You can imagine it looks very different for a 24 year old who's still living under mom and dad's roof, who is totally dependent financially and on in every way, shape, or form on them versus a 40 year old uh, adult who is a functioning alcoholic or addict, right. even though things are going wrong, but they're self-sustaining in a way they have their own yeah, finances. Right. You know what I mean? Like that's a, it's more difficult in that situation to find some motivation or leverage, like you were saying to help them see that there's a problem. Cause, cause most of the time you have to, most addicts that I run into with families is the addicts problems are not their problems. They end up being the family's problems, right? Correct. And you, we need to figure out in a very healthy and loving way to put the ownership back on them if they choose to use, you know, because you can't, you can't force anyone to do anything, right. especially adults, right. right? And the only person you have control over is yourself. So if that statement is true, then like you were saying, we need to look inward at where do we need to get educated? Who do we need to go talk to? What can we change? What can we start doing? Stop doing, start saying, stop saying, all that kind of stuff. Well, if I was sitting there and I posed to you guys a, a case and I just said, well, you got a 40 year old male addict or alcoholic struggling with substance abuse and, and, you know, he lives on his own, um, has his own job, family helps from time to time, financially, whatever it is. Um, but the family knows he needs help, but he won't seek help. What would you guys kind of pose? Any, any kids or wife or anything like that? Uh, let's say that there, there's no kids, um, girlfriend, maybe in the, the background. Mm -hmm. You want to go first? Sure. I, th I think those are, to me, those are pretty simple, right? Because it's the family laying out whatever boundaries they're comfortable with. Because even I think like the, to me, the punchline for that always is, is that it's the same when they're four in a sense and, and when they're 60, that as a parent, you just want to know that you did what you could do because you don't know whether they'll live through it or not. Most parents are scared that their loved one's going to die, right? right? So I think that fear is still there when it's a four-year-old, you just have less um, leverage. Right. So when you don't have any leverage, it's just communicating what boundaries you're comfortable with and where you're going to pull back. So they may not be over for Christmas or Thanksgiving, right. right? It just, you'd have to take a look at, and I would suggest sitting down with like a, a professional, a therapist, somebody in the treatment field, an interventionist, and looking at what your boundaries are and getting an idea of what treatment may be necessary. So whenever the individual is ready and then you go implement your boundaries and then when the individual is ready, then you can, you can implement your strategy. And boundaries have to be, um, really got to search yourself too, to make sure, all right, if I'm going to vocalize and set a boundary, I got to be willing to hold this thing long-term. Right. Um, yep. You know, because if you if you vocalize a boundary, but then you go back on it, it's it's like little kids. You know, most of us have little kids, and if I if I say, "Hey, this is going to happen if you do this," right? Yeah. And then they do it, and I don't follow through. The next time I try to draw the line in the sand, so to speak, they're looking at me like, well, "Whatever, dude." It means you're nothing. Not, you're not yeah. going to do that, yeah. right? So you have to you have to make sure that okay, if I vocalize, hey you're not welcome in my home anymore until you get better. That means Christmas. Mm -hmm. I mean, holidays. If, if that's one of the boundaries, you have to make sure that I can hold this line when it comes yeah. up, you know, cause it's, cause it's going to come up and it's going to get challenged, you know? And I think a lot of families 
typically this isn't a new thing. They've been doing it for a while. And I families yeah. will say, well, I've tried that. And that boundary didn't work. And I said, no, you've, you've threatened something before you've never set an right. actual boundary, you know? Um, and, and you got to figure out what you're, what you're yeah. comfortable with, what you're okay with. Cause here's the thing, like if you, cause they'll say, well, they know I don't like them drinking. So they still come over and we just, and, and they drink in the house, but they know where I stand on them. And I'm like, well, even though they know where you stand, but you're allowing them to drink at your house still subconsciously communicates that you're really not that, yeah. you know, you're really not that at odds with it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, and sometimes just setting boundaries, but also no one has ever sat down and very empathetically and lovingly actually voiced like, here's where we're at with this, right? right. As a family or as right. a network, you know, and, and typically there's, there's family secrets and all types of stuff. And, and those family secrets, especially in a family dynamic is they just keep everybody sick. So ultimately you could, you could take it from trying all that yourself or hiring somebody that's a case manager and a ranchinist even mm -hmm. to, to sit down with that 40 year old layout. Here's where we're, we stand. Um, be willing to help with things like, Hey, we're willing to, to help pay for treatment, but this is what that looks like. You right. know, things like that. So it's, it's more difficult, I think, with that 40 year old to be able to, you know, cause there's a multitude of thing, approaches with, from detached with love, which Alan on talks about all mm -hmm. the time. Then you got the whole, the old school method of, of tough love and that's those mm -hmm. really hard boundaries. But I think, you, you got to get away from because I what I used to see is the boundaries done out of anger and hate almost yeah. it, you know what I mean that, that that's not helpful it's got to be yeah. with this kind of accountability of, of my my yeah. dad used to say son listen I love you uh, I just can't help you with that yeah right, yeah. right. <laughs> and I got tired of hearing it so much I just end up talking to the counselors finally yeah. but yeah. it was yeah. constantly over and over you know, so yeah. I love you, but in, in these situations, I think, you know, whether it's young or old, giving people some, some resources at the end, let's mm -hmm. try to kind of rattle off a few that they may be able to reach out to. But so let's move to a young case. So you got a younger guy mm -hmm. who's totally reliant for the most part on mom, dad, mom alone, dad alone, whoever it is. Um, using heroin, things like that, mm -hmm. refusing to do anything, sleeping in the basement, you know, yeah. how would y'all handle that one? Well, that one's a little bit different because you have some, the guy before, you can set boundaries that they may not feel immediately. Uh, with a younger person like that, you can set boundaries and, and they're going to have a direct impact like pretty, pretty quickly. Pretty quick. Um, so, you know, like you said, if it is, and, and working with, families too and they'll say well okay so they they live at my house right mm -hmm. but i don't give them any money and the next question i'll say is do they pay rent and they'll say well no and i'm like okay so you give them money right. and i said no no no. i never give them yeah. money they just don't pay rent and explaining to them well if they had to pay rent then money that they're using for other things aka heroin like we said yeah. you know they, they'd have to figure out where to eat, where to get that money they don't have mm -hmm. to because they're not paying rent so essentially right. it's the same thing or letting them just eat their food and things like that so you can and steal their stuff yeah yeah <laughs> or just not not work and you know sleep and lay around and right but you can you can implement some pretty significant but if boundaries. i do all this stuff uh there's a good chance my son's gonna die there's a good chance he's gonna die 
right. at your home and you're going to find him, especially if they're doing heroin. But again, the point is like, you don't just, you don't just run off and set some boundaries immediately. Like you right. need to have a plan in place, right? One of the right. worst things is you'll hear from families too, is they'll go talk to their loved one and say, you need to get help. And their loved one's like, okay, I'll go. And then you say, all right, give me a couple of days. Let me figure out right. where yeah. we're going to send by you. Like you too late. By that time, yeah. they don't want to go. So like you need to have a, that's why working with a, a therapist or a professional or call in to admissions here at Blue Ridge, talking to Marcos, whoever it is, and let them help you work through. Let's have an option in place and ready to go because if they say yeah, yes right. let's move let's move quick so it's what i'm hearing really is there's like i said we do general stuff on this but it's really per situation because we yeah, ultimately a professional have to know what have you done so far what's going on all that kind of thing yeah what i do know is when you're faced with that situation that you're saying to yourself well if i if i put him out he may die well you know my dad said something to me i'll never forget and i talk about it all the time in lectures i do is he he said son listen um what i can tell you is that that'll be tragic if you choose yeah. to continue on go out and you you die or kill yourself yeah. that's but i will no longer fund your death you know and that yeah. was his stance that's no pretty more, heavy yeah no more yeah. resources it's over the yeah. only thing I'll pay for is treatment. Yeah. And if you don't do exactly what they say to do, then it's it you're done. And you know, I pulled all the rabbits out of the hat of sure. con. Look, yeah, they suck. They're only feeding me once a day. And da, da, da. <laughs> He's like, son, listen, that's that's between you and them. Yeah. I'm gonna pay that bill. And of course, I was like, Dad, do you realize how much money they're taking? He's like, I've lived 60 years without your financial advice. I don't need it. It's like, well, touche. So, Brian, from your standpoint, so somebody goes in and, and is, is in treatment and they're starting to heal. What is, for a family member, what does that look like um, that you know they're kind of working a program towards long term recovery? I think you start, I think you start to see a shift in really their, their attitude, I, I think, um, and a lot of their outlook and the way that they approach, um, what they're doing while they're in treatment. I think their conversations start to look a lot, a lot different. They start to become more accepting of the situation, uh, a little bit more agreeable. Um, and they start to seek guidance. I know for me, you know, in my experience, once I started to get to that point where I was willing to take a step back and say, instead of me thinking that I had all the answers and I was doing all these things, um, to me starting to take, take a step back and say, okay, well, what should I do, Todd? What should wow. I do, Marcos? What should mm -hmm. I do, Graham? Um, I think that's the kind of shift there, but it's a tough situation to see because it is so different with everybody. Right. Um, because there's some people that I've seen in treatment that I, I thought for the life of me, I'm like, my God, I, we're probably going to see this person back again. I mean, I hope we see this person. But then all of a sudden, like three weeks later, they just completely shift this corner right. out of absolutely nowhere and vice versa. You'll, you'll see some people who you thought were on the ball, working the program, showing up to class, doing all these things, wanting to do sober living and all that. And then all of a sudden it, it just completely falls right. off. So it's, it's really hard, but well, there, you guys touched on a lot of good things and I don't have like the time and the experience in the field that you guys have, but in my experience, like what Todd was talking about, I was like, I had to have my experience mm -hmm. and it's coming from the other side of it. 
you know, like I needed a lot of pain and suffering and I needed to have that dark experience. I know that the people around me would have done everything. And I mean, everything to prevent me from having that experience because they didn't want me to feel that, but I needed that. Right. It's such a tricky thing when you're a family or you're a loved one and you're coming from the outside of like, what do I do about right. that? Cause am I getting in the way of an experience? Am I getting in the way of your higher power? Where's the line between loving and enabling, right. you know? And, that's such a hard thing, and it's been a very difficult thing for me. All I can do is pray about it and seek counsel. One well, and one thing I want families to hear, people to hear, is that. So I'm not a believer in people got to hit their bottoms. Mm -hmm. that's, yeah. a, that's a different than yeah. what Brian just said. Brian An experience said, yeah. is different than a bottom. A bottom kills people. Yeah. yeah. Um, so just be aware of that. I know it's an old saying in treatment rooms. Oh, yeah. they haven't hit their bottom yet. Um, they, they got to want to get sober to, to get, so that's, none of that's true. I didn't right, want to be yeah. sober the first six months that I was in treatment. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I always use that saying, you know, you can lead a horse to water, can't make it drink. I get that, but you can lead a man to a well, make him thirsty. Yeah. And that's yeah. what happened to me in treatment. So don't, don't listen to that piece of other yeah. people yeah. saying people have to hit their bottoms, you know? I, I totally agree. And I, and I think this is such a big subject and especially this time of the year, I feel like for me and most families, like things coming to a head with the holidays. So I think we can even go more in depth next week too right. into this stuff. But I would, yeah. I'd reiterate too, like whatever their reason or willingness to go to treatment, even if they're not happy, great. Let's get them into treatment. Right. Yeah. Well, and to use kind of the last 30 seconds, I'll throw some, somebody out there is Bardo counseling or consulting is a good option. Um, they do case management. If anybody wants to reach out to them, Holly and her team, it's 844-227-3613. That's Bardo Counseling. Mm -hmm. You all have any names to throw out? Yeah, uh, Bob and Kirsten Banks are really good. Okay. Uh, Therapeutic Recovery Network. I don't know if I have Bob's number off the top of my head, but I'll put it in the, uh, the subject link at the bottom. But I think I think we can jump in again next week and, and do part two. And, and if you need resources for them, reach out to us.